Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 138 of Two Left Thumbs, your weekly gaming podcast that is still in holiday mode. I'm Deft Puppies, and um, joining me this week, it's Josh. How you doing, mate? How are you keeping? I'm doing, I'm doing splendid. It's absolutely splendid, I must say. Really good. Oh, that's excellent, excellent to hear. Um, that's, that's good. Um, you been up to much today? I mean, you, you just just finished the finished the work day. You said you work weird hours. Um, no. So I I do. Um, yeah. Most days I'm working probably eighteen twenty hours. So my work day doesn't stop really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're you're one of those insanely insane people that just don't stop. I love it. Um, it, it's yep. it, it's good. Got to keep busy. You keep busy, but um. For those that for those that are here and listening and playing at home, um, let's let's start with the obvious. Uh, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so for anyone that doesn't know, I'm um, Josh Loveridge, uh, managing director of Stratton Studios. Uh, Stratton Studios is a game developer and publisher based here in Wicklow, Ireland, and we focus on single player narrative experiences for the console market. So on consoles on the likes of Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, all that good stuff. And we've been around since around 2017 ish. Right, excellent, excellent. So around, around since 2017. Um, let's um let's let's get into to how how you started with this because you you started you started um the, the business side of this thing when you were quite young, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, business kind of started. They kind of all started formulating. I was around sixteen ish, going on seventeen. That kind of. You know, I was working on it for a couple of years previously before I actually started trading. But, um, you know, it kind of so essentially how it all started was um, coming out of school. Um, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't really have a clue about like, you know, kind of really life in general at that stage. So I was just like, all right, I, I don't know what I, I want. So. The only thing I know is games. The only thing that I've all I've done my whole life is just spent like twelve hours a day playing games, and I was like, "Well, you know, I've put a lot of time into them, so I'll give that a go and and just see. We'll just see what happens." And um, yeah, as soon as I started, I fell in love with the process and the creative field. I just yeah, it just kind of all started to click, you know when. I started kind of going into education of games, how kind of, you know, games are made and learning, you know, I started out with animation, you know, learning all the kind of nuances and technicalities of that, then actually moved into the programming side of things, you know, learning C Sharp. And I just, you know, I just wanted to know more constantly. Um, And as that kind of went on, I found myself very quickly kind of ascending ranks within the local kind of game dev ranks you know games were looking better than anyone else's you know it was it was kind of learning new things at a much faster pace and it was just kind of all clicking together and then kind of what happened was it got to a stage where after numerous you know uh, releases on you know kind of free game releases it was kind of like okay well this is kind of going somewhere now, so I need to kind of open a open a, a business for it. You know, it needs to kind of like if I actually want to make games and give this a go, I have to you know make a business. So then, essentially, what happened was I formed a company called Loverage Designs, which isn't around anymore, um, which was a game development company slash media kind of creation service and um, it was essentially just you know do whatever to get money pretty much because at that point it was just you know uh, it was kind of uh, all bootstrapped together so um essentially what happened then was um you know we continued we continued making games and in the meantime we were doing some like you know websites and content creation on the side and all which I had learned through games and how to make games and stuff like that. 
And then what eventually kind of fast forward a little bit, essentially they got both sides got very big. They got very big and it came to a point where it was like, okay, it kind of, it needs to split. So they split off and splintered into two separate companies. So Loveridge did content creation, Loveridge Design, then really split it into new company, which is Loveridge Digital. Um, and the game side of things split into Stratton Studios. Um, and that's how that kind of formulated. And they're both still operating today. Um, so it kind of, but more on the game side of things, we really got our first big break was after a couple um, mobile releases. Uh, so we done a couple mobile releases. Then essentially what happened was I created a, it was more of a tech demo. Um, a tech demo of a horror game that I had an idea for. Um, it was called The One We Found, and it was essentially a first-person survival horror kind of Resident Evil-style shooter where the player was sitting in an asylum. And uh, I essentially, that tech demo got picked up by the guys at ID at Xbox, and they signed me on as a dev, pretty much. They signed on... Uh, Loveridge Design, which was Stratton Studio, which is now Stratton Studios, um, as an idea at Xbox Dev, and that's kind of how I started into the console market, and um, you know, kind of working on that. Once we got a, as once we became an idea at Xbox member, you know, it was kind of okay. We've kind of reached the the upper ranks of the kind of you know the regional circuit. Now we're back to the bottom ladder of the big boys you know we're we're now in the sea and we're a little minnow so um you know it was kind of you know it was it was it was hard it was hard that very first game to kind of figure out all these processes because there is no playbook on how to run a games company really you know there's so much things you have to worry about like ratings um all the different regions how publishing works all these different things margins you know um, your CPA is all these different things that a, a game business has to worry about. Um, so we were, and while being, a, and while making great games as well, it's uh, it was an interesting kind of mix that you had to kind of um, fondle, I suppose. And then, so fast forward and after that, we kind of then, um, after the one we found released, we learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes on it. And, you know, we got a lot of feedback from uh, players, you know, released on Xbox One. And, yeah, we kind of learned a lot from that and kind of said, right, okay, we need to take a step back here and we need to rethink the angle we're approaching this at and come at this from a different way. Now, I am a kind of, I've always believed that in business as a whole and in anything, you need to be creating something that you really like. And I'm obsessed with Halloween. So, and I realized that there was quite a big gap in the gaming market for Halloween titles. There really isn't any, you know, like, you, you've yeah, no, got, it's mostly, there, um, yeah. Yeah. You've got horror games, and that's about all there is. There's no like Halloween specific games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of then said, okay, well, that's our niche, and that's what we're going to do. We're just going to do Halloween games. That's all we're doing now. Um, so then, based upon that, we decided, okay, um, it's time for it's time we're going to make a collectathon because um, not many people know this, but game the games market actually works in a 15-year cyclical cycle. So every 15 years, um, what was popular 15 years ago actually comes back up again and starts to get popular. So I around this I time, I kind of, I had, I had kind of foreseen this happening. And lo and behold, um, the year that we made our next game, Castle Costume, all these new games were coming out like Ukulele and A Hat in Time, you know. So it kind of it worked out. So it was um, it was quite it was quite funny that the hypothesis worked out. But um, yeah. So we made a Halloween themed um third person action adventure game, kind of a collectathon style um similar gameplay to Banjo Kazooie. That was set in this like um kind of mystical Halloween world where essentially there was this um 
there was this boy who had a sock taken and he was angry because someone took his sock on Halloween night. So essentially he decided that Halloween was finished and no one could uh, celebrate Halloween anymore. And it was about the player's journey to kind of save Halloween. It was kind of, you know, very targeted at a much more younger audience that, um, you know, was kind of into that more simpler style of gameplay. So that released um on October that released on Halloween. Um I think that was 2018, if I'm correct. I'd have to check. But yeah, uh released and then um that released on PlayStation 4, and we got a lot better feedback off that game. Done done decently well. Um so you know, we, we still had a lot to work on. You know, there were still a few fundamental key areas that we were missing i suppose and yeah based upon that we said okay right we need to get to work straight away on our next title what are we going to do are we going to do another collectathon um now then i kind of said okay well you know we need to pivot slightly and do what we're very good at and kind of try and avoid what we're not great at or bad at you know, work to our strengths, not to our weaknesses. Um, so then I decided, okay, right, we're going to make a monster taming game um, in the Halloween style um, from a top-down perspective because one of the main things and the main critiques, I suppose, that a lot of people had about a castle costume was they were like, oh, the camera. You know, Collectathon and 3D games, you know, there's always usually a complaint about cameras. You know, they're very hard to get right for everyone. Yeah, yeah. There's always, I think I've found that with a lot of games where especially with third person, it's such a tricky one where the camera is always seems to be that one sticking point for everyone because it's, you know, where do you put it in certain situations? Um and i mean i'm sure on the, on the development side of things that's not exactly an easy thing to keep tamed as well yeah so it's um it's quite um yeah it's quite it's quite um a difficult way of kind of running about it um so we essentially said right we're going with top down perspective kind of isometric and um fixed camera it'll make things easier um which it didn't in all the ways, but uh, it, that was something that we learned, um, you know, kind of in development of um, our newest game, which was Costume Kingdom, um, which essentially, as I was saying, was a monster taming um, third-person action-adventure game set in this uh, Halloween-based, te- Halloween-teen town called Munchester, where essentially the player took the role of a young um, schoolboy called Rayan, who essentially um, found these little creatures called Holomon in the world. And pretty much they populate the world and they're kind of integrated with society. And then comes along this kind of evil overarching kind of big baddie that you have to uh, beat because they want to essentially take control of the Holomon and, you know, um, stop halloween essentially so it was kind of um you know it was a nice little fun game you know it was around three hours long um and based upon that we got great feedback i think um you know it was yeah we we it done much better like you know we're really really happy with the feedback we got um and people really enjoyed it and in the meantime you know we've been kind of building our community building the uh e- the stratton ecosystem around the around the studio and just kind of continuing to grow and work at what we're doing to become better better console developers um and to provide experiences that people enjoy and that people come away from feeling like they've you know they've got something back from it so um yeah that's really a a kind of a rundown of where you know, where we started to where we are now. Now we're working on our latest title, which is called Splink, The Journey of One, which is a monochromatic 2D platformer, kind of puzzle platformer with based in this weird kind of mysterious world um, that's kind of seeded in mythology and uh, the essentially the character is the last of his race and he has to go on this journey to either save save the race that he is or essentially destroy it and you know that's what's going to be found out throughout the game pretty much 
So it's uh, yeah, cool. that's what we're working that sounds, on. That the sounds moment. really awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um, coming from coming from like developing like smaller mobile titles into that um, the the idea at Xbox indie space. Um, what were some of the big differences for you? Um, like you mentioned um, some of the challenges that you, you faced. Um, what were things that like that you kind of came across? Things you didn't expect. Um, I mean, there's always you know the the, the the little fish, big pond as well. You know, there's a, there's a lot more out there once you kind of get into that space. Um, but for for you and and just you, what were some of those challenges? Kind of transitioning from that from those two different markets. Um, I think the biggest thing that shocked me and the biggest kind of eye opener was that how little the game space is really how controlled the game space is not many people know but really the game's market is controlled by three or four companies and um, yeah you know you've got you've got big massive groups like the embracer group who own over 90 studios i think and they're all the popular triple a studios like the it's the market is taken up very solely by a number of people and i suppose that presents a number of challenges because if it's kind of you fall in lion or you fail that's kind of the way the console market that's the way the console market works from a a like a just an overall perspective it, it, it's it's a harsh business it really is it's not it's not a kind of a, a nice little wonderland of kind of everyone makes their own games and everyone does what they kind of you know what maybe want to do it's kind of there's very heavy limitations put on what can be created you know there's a lot of regulation um, so there's a lot of rules, a lot more rules than originally, you know, one would think there would be like, you know, a, a common thing I hear from players is that, you know, they talk, when they talk about developers, especially it's like, oh, well, why don't you just do that? You know, that'd be really cool. You know, that'd be great to implement. Like, you know, why can't you have appearances from different uh, characters in this game? You know, why can't you do that? And yeah. a lot of it's it's all red tape. It's all red tape to hold these things uh, kind of back. And it's kind of, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. And just kind of learning how Stratton fits within that ecosystem. Because everyone finds their own niche within the console market. They really do. And, uh, yeah, it was just the biggest shock uh, to reality really was how this actually business works and how we can survive in that while still focusing on the core values of the company that I wanted to portray. Like, you know, I have a big um I have a big ethos thing with regards to gaming companies not treating their players correctly. I feel yep. that you know in the current market that we're in, it's way too predatory and that, you know, it's kind of game companies are looking at their players as just money bags currently and they're just trying to extract as much money as possible and it's not what made gaming great you know what made gaming great initially was the guys like innovators like you know john romero with doom and all these great games that really weren't built on a like a a vast like quest for monetization they were built on a quest to provide an experience that brings someone's day up just that little bit more and i suppose that's what i feel gaming needs to come back to and that's what i am constantly trying to strive uh stratton towards is to get that kind of you know really really uh high high level you know uh high level engagement with our players like we really do care about our players you know we want our players to be able to integrate with us as much as possible because at the end of the day as a games company without our players we're nothing we're literally nothing nothing at all um exactly i i don't feel that gets brought across enough in the current climate that we're in today 
And I think that, you know, the only way to change that is to be that kind of, you know, enigma in the space that's just kind of like, no, we're doing it differently. We're taking a different approach. It's a much slower approach. You know, it's not that it's, it really isn't a, a fast approach to, you know, gain that uh, cult following, I suppose, but that's not our mission. Our mission is to do it right and do it well because that's what lasts. And um, yeah, so it's just really um, figuring out how that's going to fit into the um, to the lion, so to speak, um, without, you know, causing too much problems. Um, do, you think so, yeah. do you think that'll change at all? I mean, I know like recently, especially the last couple of years, we've seen um, we've seen a lot of a lot more pushback against uh, monetization, predatory practices. Um, you know, a, a lot more a lot more indie devs coming through, doing really really good games, and showing that it can be done while you know treating both um, uh, people that play your game and the people that work on your game with fucking some respect, which is which is brilliant to see. And I love supporting those small devs that are doing that now. You know, seeing like games like Hades and stuff like that coming out which are you know um really breaking through to the market and um um getting getting through with like decent practices and really beating out these large AAA companies um who are you know not not so great on 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 the whole everything front um so do you think um as someone who kind of sees kind of behind the scenes a bit more do you think there's there's a, there's a shift coming in that regard um, so having, I do a lot of consultancy work with AAA companies. Um, like I've, I've seen behind the closed doors of what happens there and how that works. And as a, uh, as a business, as a business person, it's, it's amazing what they've built, how they built as such a, a, I, I like to refer to it as a herd how they built a herd that falls in line and anyone that goes out of line just gets wiped off immediately. But as as a, a, a fun, ethically, I don't believe it's right. Now, do I think it's going to change? Yes. I do think it's going to change because the world in general is moving to a more open communication kind of culture. And as that happens, and as people learn what happens behind closed doors, they're just going to say, listen, that's not allowed. Like, you know, uh, one big thing that a lot of business owners in the game space push against is unionization. They're like, oh, no, don't do it. we can't let the unions get involved. If the unions get involved, you know, we can't. We can't like make slaves of our staff. Pretty much, that's what a lot of the a lot of yeah. the attitude there is. Um, but I think as that starts to happen, which it is, it's going to uh, cut out all that you know nonsense, and it's going to move back towards a much more wholesome um kind of you know ecosystem. But I also think it's a shock for the players because uh, I don't know if you've noticed but the player base has changed majority. Like uh, toxicity within the game space has has uh, it, it's a lot more prevalent than it used to be. Um you know people are just vicious in the game space. Yeah, it's um it, it's it's pretty remarkable like watching it like some of the uh, has been involved with a lot of game communities kind of coming growing up and i'm sure you have as well um i don't know if it's just because everyone has the option to have a voice now about it and we're seeing it more or if it's a mindset situation where you know as you know as things progress we're, we're getting that very um us versus them mentality really pushed into it and that's where the toxicity is coming from or yeah, if it's something like I said, like it's just there's more people with an option to say something now. Thanks, thanks to the wonders of the internet, um, everyone just kind of gets on their soapbox and can scream as loud as they want, and they can find more like-minded people to scream with them. So it becomes this very kind of large, loud minority kind of situation where that's all you're hearing. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, but. I think that the the way the game space has evolved from a business perspective has affected the player base and how they perceive 
companies, games companies. Like a lot of a lot of genuine gamers are always saying, "Oh, I wanted to go back to the way it was," but yet the players don't want that. Actually, if it did go back to that way, players would hate the games that they're that they're making. Like you know, it's very rare, and you know, there's there's a a, a high volume of player base that will not kind of be interested in that style of games you know a lot a lot of people like single player games anymore you know often sometimes people say it's a dying breed until something like skyrim comes around and then everyone wants to get back in like so it's an interesting one but i think the space has fundamentally changed and to go back to that i don't think we can i think we'll have to form like a new kind of happy medium and that will only yeah. happen over time. But ju- like the game space is a very young space. Like we haven't been around for too long, really. You know, so it it it, it changes. It like flip flops. The, 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 the what the seventies, eighties. It's really, really kind of truly formed back yeah. then. Um, like with like games like Doom and stuff. And yeah, like yeah, it's only you know twenty or forty years. Um, and comparing that to like the mu- the music and movie industry, which we've um which the gaming industry has quickly overtaken in, in popularity. Um, it's um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where gaming and the gaming industry itself is in like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to be very interesting. And, you know, it, 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 it's constantly evolving too. You know, new technologies, as new technologies come out, new things you know will take over and that will take precedent and that hopefully will adapt the the player's mindset and the developer's mindset too because you know it has to be the happy medium between the players and the developers i don't think this us versus them mentality is healthy for the space as a whole and it's not healthy for employees because i and it's something not a lot of people think about but Every time you are blasting a game on Twitter or anything like that, or whoever's doing, you know, that's someone's work. Like, that's something that someone's probably spent more hours than, like, you know, someone would work normally. Like, crunch is a big thing in the game space. Now, I'm one of them people that loves crunch. I'm in an eternal crunch, and I just love it. That's that's just me. But nine, I know 99% of the population do not like that and they need that kind of time out. They need their, you know, they need that respite. So, and that's okay, you know, but it, it, it it's very disheartening when you, someone sees essentially someone else crapping on their work in not a constructive way. Um, and especially just think of the, the, the example I like to give is, and I know some of the guys um, that worked at CD Projekt Red, just think how all them felt with Cyberpunk. Like every, I know every single employee that I know that worked there did not want that game to go out. And We're right. Interesting. And when... I mean, I uh, a, lot well, it, uh, a lot of it's kind of corporate, kind of going, this game comes out this day and you deal with it. Um you know, there's borderlines pressed on from forces that they have absolutely no control. So they're just kind of going to do the best they can. Um, I think that's um, an interesting thing. I mean, it, it happens kind of with most kind of service industries as well, um, where especially when you don't see the person that's working on whatever it is, you know, so like, like I work in kitchens, so, you know, you don't see me um, as the chef. And so it's easy to go, well, it, it kind of dehumanizes the whole situation. It's like, well, why wasn't this done better um, when there could be, you know, outside factors? And and that comes through, obviously, with, with the gaming industry because there are so many people working with, you know, hundreds of people working on these games with so many different yeah. components, like rope physics to, you know, sound design um, to just media management as well. Um, and and they're, they're just doing the best they can with the situation they have. And I think that's something a lot of people forget too, is it like I said, there are people working on these things and some of this stuff is, is well out of their control. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Especially on the triple A side of things. Every nothing's dictated by the actual developers. It's dictated to them. That's like yeah. and that's you know, and that's something that not a lot of people kinda I suppose take into consideration. Um, but it's it's just one of those things. Like you know, there's always going to be problems with the space. 
and as we evolve we're going to have to just continue to overcome them um you know so it's it just really is one of those things but i think a, definitely a better focus on um kind of uh player uh more player consumer centric approach is the approach we take at stratton and you know it, it builds great communities it really does you know um and it builds loyal communities too and that's what you want really as a as a game studio yeah definitely um so back back to back to stratton for a little bit um so you guys have made four four different games now in in the indie space um all all very um, different styles yeah yep sorry we, we were about to say something oh um, I was just about to say we're on our fort. So we had the one we found, oh, yeah, Castle Costume. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, the different styles, I mean, like you said, you're, you're sticking, you're, you're, as you're kind of developing these games, you, um, you're finding those strengths and weaknesses that you and your team are both both good at and things you struggle with. Um, has, has jumping from genre to genre like that um, helped or is that just kind of a, we want to make as many diverse games as possible? Or is that kind of part of the process of growing as a studio, just kind of figuring out where it is you want to make those games? I think it's a matter of you don't know what you're good at until you've tried it, essentially. And yep. um, I think that each studio has to find their niche. And I always say, you know, I never want to, I never, I never want to, you know, get old and then be like, what if, what if we had done a monster taming game? Could that have done, could that have been the, the fire, you know, the light switch? Like, could, could that just be our thing? And so we're cons and it allows us to develop too and upskill as developers constantly because we know all these genres, we come across numerous different problems to overcome. And like, I personally really feel that the game we're working on now, 2D monochromatic, we we've adapted to this style very, very well. Um, and it's yeah i'm i really liking this it's been one of the smoothest development processes ever that we've had so it's it's been great yeah. um and we've also allowed ourselves a little more time because typically when we're on a one-year timeline we were essentially trying to you know churn out games but now we're taking a more okay this will go out when it's ready um approach because we're looking to get to that next level because we've got to a like you know we've got to a good point where it's like you know uh you know, a lot of common reviewers saying like, you know, six, seven out of 10 type thing. We want that eight and nine, you know, that's what we want. We yeah, want to get to that next level. To that improvement. Yeah. Yeah. So, and to do that, it needs to be right. And it needs to be ready when the game is ready. The game and the kind of the approach with this one is, you know, the game's going to tell us when, when it's ready to go and then we'll, and then we'll push, push it out. Um, so yeah, it's, um, but it, it developing a multi like kind of range of titles is it's very important i think for as a developer because you need to otherwise you're very one dimensional and what if that style of game that you make and your studio makes is goes out of popularity like look at collectathons they yeah, they yeah. like you know it, it, it can go as shooters shooters as well they kind of yeah they don't go out of popularity completely but they're hot at certain periods you know everyone wants a shooter everyone's just snapping up shooters so i think it just and it allows us to to be um just kind of more well-rounded developers as a whole and solve problems quicker and um, you know like problem out uh, the way we've solved problems in 3d we've adapted to 2d and it's just made for a much better kind of a more polished um experience you know yeah that's that's really cool um so yeah like i said the, the, you're learning things as you go um which, which is great i think that's something that should always be happening in any in any position or any kind of profession as you, you should be kind of trying to, to better yourself in that field or broaden your experience as much as possible um so the, the the team the team is and i know the last couple of years um with covid and um all the lockdowns and stuff um would make things especially challenging how have you guys um as a company kind of overcome that 
I think that COVID and the coronavirus as a whole was we were the best built company to deal with that. Put it like we we never we never stopped. It never even yeah. like we were able to just light switch and we we're good. And you know my big thing with business as a whole and companies is that you build a good foundation. You know, a, a hurricane's not going to rock you, um, and that's that's a big thing, and that's in all my businesses. I build that out. I think a very strong system and processed out business that is good and great culture can adapt to these situations, and we adapted perfectly. Like a lot of games got, you know, massively pushed back. If anything, it gave us a little bit of an edge because we were still working while a lot of people weren't able to, um, so it. It did. It hasn't really affected us in a in a traditional sense. Um, I suppose the only way it's affected us is with third party suppliers. So, say for example, we've like you know uh, a a two D maybe artist that does some cover art or something. Maybe they're not on working, so it makes pushes them things out. But that was really the only kind of delay we seen. And I suppose, you know, the way I kind of address problems and with the team, it's kind of like, well, you know, regardless of the issue that you come across, if you have a strong fundamental way of solving problems, it doesn't matter what problem you get, you can solve it. And, uh, you know, kind of we take that divide and conquer approach to every challenge that comes up. Uh, may that be, you know, kind of, pandemics or whether that's just you know uh certain bugs within the game we approach it the exact same way awesome that's really good um i think i think again again now that we've had this kind of situation arise we're going to see a lot more a lot more companies especially gaming um kind of lean into that kind of more moldable way of working you know, a lot of people were working from home and i think like a lot of businesses in general have realized that's something i've noticed um they don't need the offices like working from home has, you know, it's it's bumped up so much productivity. Um, you know, people are happier because they're not going in to be stuck in a cubicle all day, just slave away. They can kind of do things kind of at their own pace. Um, you know, like they can take a yeah. break for five minutes if they want to and, and not feel guilted into, I, I'm in that workspace environment, I must do that. Um, whereas working from home, it's... Um, it's a much more comfortable environment for them. So they're becoming more, they're happier and more productive, which I think is fantastic. Um, it's doing a lot of, it's off, offsetting that it's doing a lot of things to, um, to different industries, um, which is, which has been interesting to watch other industries, like the hospitality industry and the tourism um, industry kind of adapt to, um, which I've seen a lot of companies struggle with recently, but um, yeah, I think going forward, I think that's going to be the way, things are going to go now is like it's going to be a lot of a lot more working from home a lot a lot less office space and a lot more kind of using the tools we have which is the internet and um everything that comes with that uh because yeah. it just makes things so much easier yeah no 100 percent, definitely does and as a as a games company you have to have these things in place and you know a lot of the bigger companies that you know kind of i've i have connections where all right you know i know the owners it's kind of like well you know you were kind of warned about this a couple years back that really you should have strong infrastructure in place within the company and now it's just you know you didn't have a strong um kind of crisis contingency plan in place you know and now you have to face the consequences of it face the music so um, it, it it was it's just one of those things. I do think it'll move more towards uh, kind of decentralization, you know, with regards to companies and how they work. Um, the only main issue with that though is is data security and kind of keeping that all under wraps, especially on the AAA side of things. It's very very tight. Every they like to keep everything so tight lidded. Um, that you know, put it this way, kind of imagine if you were working on the next Call of Duty and you had a build on your on your on your home network, and you know someone got into it or something like that. You know, it's kind of that's where the problems come in with source it's, code and yeah, so tricky. Yeah, it's not exactly a difficult thing to do now. Um, especially with home networks being, I mean, I'm sure you know a lot of companies have like, yeah, you will use this secure network that we're using, but there's there's, there's like so much. 
so much human error that can happen yeah. um with that kind of thing and it may not even be the person that's working on this fault it could be a family member just hit a wrong setting it's kind of opened up a vulnerability and people will exploit that because people are wonderful so good um, <laughs> yeah they will indeed yeah um so you 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 obviously you obviously started very young um 17 when you kind of started working on your first, or we kind of did your first acquisition um for a company uh so for, for people um for looking to get into kind of what you do um in the um media and marketing and and um games development uh what kind of what kind of starting advice would you give them some things that you've learned some nuggets of wisdom if you will um fail hard and fail fast i suppose is the you know is the thing and just be willing and ready to get back up no matter what challenges get presented. Like the way I tell people is if you're the type of person that gives up after your first try, don't even bother trying because you're just, you won't make it. You really won't. Like, you know, we've been, we've been doing this for years and we're still not there and we're still striving to get to that point that we want to get. You know, it's a constant, you're like a lot of people think, um, and a lot of people have a common misconception about running the business as a whole, whether that be games, anything, is that, ah, oh, running the business is easy, you know, you're the boss, you don't have to listen to anyone. And it's like, no, you're, you're never the boss. You're never the boss. The boss, you become, your boss becomes your clients, who in this case are, are players. They're the ones who dictate what I do. They're telling me what I do. You know, I have, you live a, it looks easy, but it's one of the most difficult things you will ever do. And if you're not willing to put in the hours to do it, you probably won't succeed. Like the chances of success of a business are extremely low. Like, you know, it's crazy low. I think it's like, you know, around 3% now. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's, um, it's volatile out there. Yeah, it's a tough space. And, you know, to make it, you have to give yourself the best chance possible. And the only way to do that is to work hard and to work fast and don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to learn and don't give up. You know, it's all about having that resolve to and that long term vision that what you are doing is going to get closer to your goal and not being that kind of you know, very short kind of minded vision that a lot of people have. Like if you're thinking and dreaming, oh, I want to own a games company because I want to spend my life playing games. Like, I'll be honest, I haven't played a game in years. I, I really haven't because I, I don't oh, have really? time. I was, I was, yeah. I was, was going to kind of, I was, I was going to lean to that with my next question. Cause you know, you, like you said, you work, like you, 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 you're, you're kind yeah. of, you've got yourself permanently that crunch mode, like, if you have time for games, what what are you playing? I mean, it's obviously, it's obviously been a while. So when was when was your last video game that you played? What was the last one you played? Um, I think it was Soma. Soma. Um, yeah. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah, that was my last. Um, that was my last uh, title that I played. Like, I know what's going on in the market. I know the new games play styles they're implementing. I know the new title. But yeah, I I've I had to give that up. I have to give, and it's funny. Um, it's a it's a funny paradigm. I I think it's very yeah. funny. Um, I, and you'll see a lot of people, and they'll say, "Oh no, I still play games on the weekends and stuff." If, if that if that works for them, fine. It probably just means you know they're not pushing as hard as they can push. Like you know, with my my vision for everything is always that I don't want to be good. I want to be great, and I want to leave a legacy. That's kind of what I want to do. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I had to give that up. But, yeah, it was a funny paradigm. And I always say to people is that to reach the goal that I may reach, I had to actually give up what I loved the most, which was, you know, playing games and that whole thing. So it's kind of like a, it, it's kind of like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. But I suppose it's all towards a greater goal. And the greater goal is, you know, changing people's lives for the better in a way that's um, good for everyone. And like the way it works is if you've got employees, you know, you are changing lives because you're essentially, you then become responsible for their lives. You know, you close your company, 
there goes their job. There goes their security. You know, there's a ripple. It's kind of like the butterfly effect. Um, so it's um, yeah. But uh, games, yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I don't really uh, have have uh, much time at all. No, I haven't played the game since then. Yeah, uh, typically the way we work it is of a team of uh, kind of uh, essentially game researchers that play games, and I get reports back on everything and then i might watch you know a little bit of gameplay while i'm you know got uh been going to a meeting or whatever you know so i kind of just fit yeah. it in when i can but uh, yeah it's mostly um it's mostly yeah that kind of process and um, it's strange because you will hear a lot of uh game developers say oh yeah they spend a lot of their time playing games you know um but everyone has a different process i suppose i come from i come from a very strange background with games in that i'm in traditional business too and not many game developers are in traditional business also which i suppose is that kind of difference in that you know it's kind of it, it, it kind it's of gives you that me different more. perspective on how things work and you have like a different yeah. viewpoints on what you what you should and should be doing to kind of get to where you need to be um you know where like you know yeah. you'll find people like that are like more i want to say less less business minded and more creatively minded where connecting with the medium itself helps drive the inspiration for them to kind of go forward um yeah whereas yeah, you know, th- things things are obviously obviously different for you. You're, you're very business minded, which is fantastic because that's what you need to be able to drive a company. Because if you, if you go in artistic, it's not gonna. It's trickier to navigate yeah. because you don't understand the systems to play at mu- as much. I mean, it's yeah, and I think you as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's something as well that you you're setting your. I suppose this way, a lot of the guys that are like that, they never really own big. They never really start to own big companies. They kind of stay solo. It's kind of, you know, that more kind of, you know, artistic, creative dream where they're kind of like, you know, they just get their enjoyment is they spend a couple hours a day working on their game. They might spend five years working on the game and that's their piece, which if that's the way they're, if that's what they're content and happy with, who who's, you know, fair play to them, exactly, you know, yeah. all the best. Yeah, it's whatever works for you. But for me personally, I am just one of them people who likes the grind. I really do. You know, I like the I like the the process, and um, I enjoy the process, and I enjoy you know building building things. So, um, yeah, it's good. Awesome, awesome. What um, what games did you used to play? So like, you've obviously stopped, but like we talked about, you know, you like you started playing games, and then you just kind of started making games. What games? What what were the games that kind of inspired you going forward to get into this to start with? Um, I used to play a very multi kind of a multi kind of diverse range of games so you know some you know obviously you have the classics mario zelda pokemon um crash spyro ratchet um and then on the more like you know kind of horror side you've got resident evil soma you know you've got all the outlast all these great games um and then on the more multiplayer side you know obviously you've got your cards your fifas your rusts your arc your armas um you've got then what else would i have been playing um um minecraft you know uh all these different titles and then on the indie side everyone's everyone's played minecraft at some point in their life right it's it's like one of these staples right it's like there's there's like minecraft um mario and zelda as well for the most part it's like the the holy the holy trinity of kind of game franchises that most people have played (laughs) yeah yeah no 100 percent um but yeah no and i enjoyed a lot of single player titles a lot of single player titles so i i used to kind of work through them i used to be on them uh, achievement hunters i used to Uh, platinum as many games as i could um yeah so i i played a lot of uh, a lot of strategy games as well you know, Command and Conquer, Save, all these different titles. Uh, Halo Wars, Halo, but massive, massive inspiration was Halo. Loved Halo, um, you know, around the Halo Three kind of era. Um, 
yeah, no, just kind of every game that was going, I was playing um, back in the day. Like, as I say, I used to spend, that's all I did was play games pretty much. Um, and yeah, I think, um, and as and, and the way I describe it as well is, I think when you start to make games, you lose that magic and wonder that games give you when you play them, essentially. Because you realize what it's like, um, it's like knowing a magic trick, knowing how it's done. It's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like how the sausage is made, kind of thing. You're like, you've seen it yeah. always, like, it's all right, the polish for that is gone now, the magic's gone. I, I know what this does, um, and that, that that's that's kind of it's, it ruins it for you. I know I found that, um, uh, earlier when this podcast was a lot a young, uh, when we first started, it was like a, a gaming news kind of coverage um and, and like just like we're like looking having to look at the industry constantly and what was happening um it kind of like like oh this is this is this is mo- a lot of this is kind of like it's interesting but some of it is really gross and you start to notice the patterns in the predatory practices and things coming up because it yeah. always seemed to be this company's done this or this company's done that or this person this company's doing this thing and it was always kind of the same kind of kind of news and it kind of takes some of the the wonderment away from the industry because you're like all right this is this is for the most part a giant fucking mess um and it makes you enjoy video games less because you feel bad but on the on the other side of that coin you know like we were speaking about earlier individual people worked on these games and you want to you want to enjoy that and respect what they've brought to that title that experience that you're now having um and it's it's it, it's kind of like the two sides of the coin for me is um yeah it, it can sometimes the gaming industry can be a real shit and um <laughs> again that can that can come down to a lot of just people being greedy or just horrible in general um yeah but yeah it, it does definitely take the polish out yeah no it's definitely um that that kind of you know and i think that's uh and i think that's another reason why i don't i i think that's another reason why like you know like i don't just you know instead of working like 18 or 20 hours i don't just work 19 and play games for an hour because the magic is gone it's a system now i look at it as a system i look at it as a piece of software i can see everything they're doing i know what's coming next you know if i see you know, if I see some foreshadowing, you know, in level one, a weenie, you know, in the background and, um, you know, some tight corridors, I know where they're pushing me as a player. I know where they want me to be looking. You know, it's kind of uh, there's never that what's over there. It's like, all right, over there is an invisible wall with, um, you know, some decals or, you know, it's kind of. It, yeah. it just kind of takes it away. Um, and I think it's moved from that, from experiencing that magic myself to providing that to others. Because I know how that felt and I'll always remember how that felt. And I think one of the big things that a lot, a lot of people are kind of, one of the joys in life, I think, for everyone is the joy of giving. You know, give being able to give something or being able to make someone's day just that little bit better is a very powerful thing. And it's one of the best things you can do, you know. And I think that, you know, being able to provide that, even if it's just, that's what I always say to the guys at the um, at Stratton too. It's kind of like, even if this game completely fails and everyone hates it, if as long as one person says, and as long as one person says that made my day a little bit better, I enjoyed that, then it was all worthwhile. It doesn't matter about the, you know, the monetary side of things. We'll we'll worry about that. We'll fix that. But does the player enjoy the game? And can we provide can we provide what we were provided when we were kind of grown up and when we were kind of getting into this whole thing because i think that wonder and that kind of escapism is something that is lost upon us in today's world and it's something that we really you know it's important for a lot of people to be able to experience that and i think that that's one of the things that really drives me in the game industry is to be able to give that to someone you know it's a very powerful thing so yeah that's kind of my my kind of stick with it 
is that that's kind of our overarching goal, I suppose. Awesome. Um, so so go, going going forward, I mean, you guys are obviously working on a game now. Um, you've obviously got plans into the future as well. Uh, what kind of what kind of things are you looking for to work with? Any kind of any kind of technologies or um, different mediums in the, in in video games that you're kind of looking forward to kind of getting your hands in and, and trying out um, with your team? Yeah. So. Um... As we were saying, I'm working on our our newest console title, and we're also beginning to work on our a blockchain game, and um, so we're beginning to work on that as well. And um, we're an official engine partner. I don't know if you know who Engine are, but they're a big uh, player in the kind of NFT gaming space. Um, right. so I'm I'm a massive technology nerd. Um, and I just love the decentralized technology. I think it's great, and just the kind of whole concept behind it. It's kind of like games war back in the day, right now. Like very rudimentary, very kind of you know very basic. Not they're not professional developers in the space at the moment. And being right. a professional developer in the space to come in and say, okay, this is how you do things. You know, this is how, you know, this is how you kind of, because they don't understand game design a lot of because the, a lot of them are just normal programmers. They're not developers. So being able to right. kind of implement that in a way um, is something that we're very uh, excited for. And then obviously bringing that to consoles too. Obviously, that's a very long way down the line. The technology still behind on that. But, you know, in the meantime, we're hoping to get some games going um, to help our audience further engage with us. So, for example, one of the concepts we're really excited for is um, to do like a governance style voting kind of little game where all our players can come in to like a an app or a browser and actually vote on decisions in development for our game so say for example we're deciding really cool. between yeah say we're deciding between like a a rock and a a rock and a pebble for a scene we could put that up and be like hey guys what's what's everyone thinking and uh, everyone can vote and everyone can see where people are voting and just kind of make it a little like fun gamified experience and just to engage people more and just to allow people to give us feedback because that's one thing that a lot of um that helps developers is feedback during development you know what do players want to see because ultimately it doesn't matter what we think um you know, you're always going to be biased to your own game. That's just, you know, you can try and put that bias away as much as possible, but it's always going to be there. And um, so it's great to be able to get that feedback um, from players. So we're working on that at the moment. Um, two, uh, that's kind of a little side project. Um, but yeah, it's really all steams ahead on our on Splink and getting that finished off. We just finished our private alpha that went extremely well. Uh, extremely extremely well Um, really really happy with the feedback that we got and yeah just really now it's just the final push to get it over the line and then begin the port to consoles and um, we're still undecided what platforms we want to publish on whether that be sony or nintendo it'll either be might be both we'll see and um, see how things right. go Um depending on it really depends what we feel is going to be better suited for the gameplay and you can only really tell that by actually testing it on the console so um we'll be doing that and yeah we're just excited to get that out and um, you know it's been a long project uh splink has you know we've, we've changed a lot of our internal processes we've got on a load new people to help with splink you know we're really trying to level that up um, in all aspects and yeah we're just excited for the next like year or so because i suppose with the whole you know it, with the whole you know voting thing i just think it's going to engage the community so much more and allows people to get involved you know because one of yeah, the things when i was growing up uh, yeah so one of the things when i was growing up was a big thing was that i always wanted to be involved in a game studio in some way like i always just felt like you know i wanted the developer to feel to to be i wanted to be heard in what i thought of the game i wanted to be able to influence that and maybe even just a tiny little way um and to be able to give that to players is is something that I'm really excited for. So yeah, 
it's um it's an interesting concept and uh, not many other people are doing it. i don't think anyone's doing it at the moment i don't think um, i haven't heard of anything like that before i mean i know there's um there's places like ubisoft that kind of get community involvement um with like music tracks and stuff like that they've done with like it was like was it watchdogs uh watchdogs 3 i think they did it with where they got people to kind of uh, create art and and music um, to implement into the game. I think, which I thought was a really cool concept, um, but I don't think there's been like a like a, a voting esque kind of system done done properly. I mean, I know that there's uh, there's been a few developers go, oh, we're doing this. What do you think? Um, or we might do this. You know, they get some opinions that way. I mean, which is probably the similar vein to what you guys are working on now, but nothing as detailed as what you're describing, at least that I've heard of. Anyway, yeah. I could be wrong though. But yeah, it sounds like it's yeah. a pretty unique idea, which I, I really like. I think that's fantastic that you guys are trying to reach out to your to your community and get them involved with the process as much as possible. Because I think um, an important part of that is um, now that they've helped kind of make make a decision in the game, it become they become more attached to that. Um, yeah. That game that I, I I helped with this, or you know, you know, they show their friends, and there's there's more involvement, and they, it's it's more personable for them, so I could be attached to that game, which I think is fantastic as well. Um, yeah, it's really good for oh, yeah. community building. Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good, and it keeps um, yeah, it's just it's everything we're about at Stratton, and it just kind of allows us for that deeper engagement with our community because we're heavily engaged. You know, I don't take the approach. Like I'm in the discords every day. Someone posts a message, I'm responding. You know, it's 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 just kind of I, I, like I, I kind of never want it to be that thing where I am I can't interact with the community. That's just like I just think that's not okay, and I need to be fully integrated into the community to see what people are thinking and to to hear you know where things are at because at the end of the day you know as i was saying earlier without the players we're nothing like really nothing yeah. at all so it's very important for us and i think this is just a new a new way to do that and it's just uh, great through the power of you know you know what we can do so why not do it like it's not a massive thing to have like a you know, like a voting system. I just think a lot of uh, the reason most games don't do it is because there's so much red tape in that, you know, one person can't make the final decision. Like, you know, like Stratton's, like Stratton, like Stratton has been offered to have publishers and stuff. We self-publish our games. We've like, we've been offered that route. We could take that route if we wanted, but it's not the route that I want for the company. I think, that once you got start going down that route, ultimately you're losing control of what you want to do. And I think that when you build something that is so inclusive, I want it to stay that way. And I never want to be in a position with the company where I'm like, because I've been in the conversations with other developers where it's kind of like, all right, yeah, we wanted to do this, but we just got told no. And that's essentially... Right. And that's not what I want. Like, I don't want, if if I want to, if I, if the community says we, they want something, they're getting it. Um, and that's kind of the way, the approach I take with it. And I think that that's, that's a, it's a decent approach. It, it, it's the way games were made really good back in the day. It's what made games like Doom good. Like, a lot of people don't know how games initially started. And I always implore people to go look. You know, it was really just in the back of magazines, guys just sending them each other, you know, little tapes of their games that they made. And then, you know, it kind of evolved over time, but it was all feedback driven. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't done another way. And I think if we can do that too, and I think any games that are doing that are doing very well and are succeeding in their own niches. And, um, so yeah, it's just really that's our that's our that's our plan really for it, and I'm just excited for the next year because you know Splink's only a couple. I'd say we'll be. I'm hoping we'll have that finished by the end of the year. We'll see. We'll see how things go. Then there'll probably yep. be a, a couple month period for porting to whatever console, and we're going to put it on. And then after that, we'll have to look at launch windows to see when fits 
I imagine it'll probably be Q1 next year, maybe. We'll see. We'll see how things go, you know. Um, but yeah, it's exciting times, exciting times, really. Um, I am just, yeah, loving loving the space as always and just excited to see what comes next, I suppose. Um, because um, the games, one year in a games company is like 10 years in a traditional, like, you know, business. So much happens, so much changes. You know, one week, you know, you're on one track. The next week, it's getting switched to a different track. And it just kind of, you know, evolves so quickly. Yeah, it is. It is a rapidly growing. Like I said, we're only, it's only a very young industry and it is rapidly growing. Um, and the technology coming along with that is, is also changing the landscape quite often, um, which is which is wonderful to see. Um, but yeah. Josh, um, thank you so much for joining me this week and giving us a little bit of insight into, you know, your your kind of skew of the games industry and and marketing and it's 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 been a genuine pleasure listening to your insight and um and what you've had to say um so thank you for that um for for those people that would like to find you and stratton games and all the things that you are working on um where can they find you yeah, so the easiest place to find us is either at, on Instagram or Twitter. Um, it's just Stratton Studios, and you can, or you can go onto our website, which is Stratton Studio Games, and um, yeah, you can just that that all them have links to each other anyway, so they're all interchangeable, and they can find us on there. Um, and if anyone does want to kind of contact me personally, even if they're just looking to get into the game space and they'd like to ask a question or you know anything like that just hop into the discord say hi and yeah I'll, I'll i'll write a response or even just send me a dm um and yeah i'll, I'll respond i'll be more than happy to answer a question you know um i think that's important to do also um so yeah it, as i say just reach out to us we're we're pretty we're pretty vocal we're pretty um visible um and we always do respond so uh yeah just reach out if, if anything pops up Awesome, excellent. Um, for for those who are looking at those, they, they, all those links that um you need for, to find to find Josh and Strand Studios will be in the description below. Um, we'll also be tagging the socials in our, our usual posts that we do um, when the episode goes live. Um, if you enjoyed the episode this week, get on there, give us a rating, say hi, let us know what you think. You know, we've changed a lot over the last twelve months. You know, we've we've been th been through a bit of changes as the podcast has gone. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, if you've got any, um, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at left underscore pod. You can find us on Instagram at two left thumbs podcast. You will find the video versions of all our podcasts on our YouTube channel, which you can find at two left thumbs dot online. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much um, for, for listening this week and hanging out. Josh, again, thank you so much for coming in and, and having a chat. It's, it's been genuinely wonderful. Um, chatting with you this morning um yeah everyone else thanks for listening and we will chat you next week bye see you guys